What are the th socks, though? Are those adult beverages on your socks, Dr. Klingshirn? They are. How dare you? <laughs> this is a college campus. I'm underage. All right. Woo! There you go. That's a Diet Coke. It's like a nectar of the gods hold the ambrosia, I do believe the, the technical term. We're back from a very long hiatus. I'd say it's been like a month since I've recorded last. Uh, Dr. Klingshirn, this is the part where I give my monologue and pretend that I'm important, so please bear with me. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for turning. This is a very special guest. I haven't had the privilege of interviewing a young man that is, I'm not going to guess your age because I don't think that's polite, but you're an older gentleman. You're a nice man. And uh, he is a very important figure here at UIS, at least from my perspective, because if this was like a work thing, you would definitely be my boss. Would I be right in assuming that? Uh, I would suppose so, yeah. There you go. Well, as you know, this is the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. My guest here is the director of the honors program here at UIS. I am in the honors program, so he does have to deal with me every once in a while. I'm not taking any of his classes currently. But Dr. Klingshern, may I call you Mark Klingshern just to introduce you? That's fine. This is Dr. Mark A. Klingshern. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How does it feel? Pretty good. All right. It's I all right. I say you actually pronounced my last name correctly, so well, that's, thank you. that's impressive. I was on the phone with my mother last night, and she said Klingshire. That's right. And I, <laughs> I did tell her that, but that's okay. She is actually looking forward to this podcast as well. All right. She, so no pressure on me, either. Not at all. You, you should be good. You, okay. I'm, I imagine you have to deal with a lot of parents whenever they check in with their students and their students don't want to talk to them. Does that happen a lot, I'm assuming? Uh, it, it happens some. Some? I, I, think, I think parents have they've, they've recognized the, or have heard the term helicopter parent before, and I think yes. some of them don't want to be that. So they, they do intentionally try to keep themselves out of stuff. I got you. That makes sense. So would you like to elaborate to me what the honors program is, just for people that don't know? Sure. I'm going to so, this a little bit closer. Yeah, sure. So the honors program is the is called the Capital Scholars Honors Program. Uh, it's the university, it's UIS's uh, on campus honors program. Mm -hmm. uh, students can also get honors in departments as well. So I don't know if political science has a departmental honors or not, but chemistry does, which is my home discipline. Yes. Department. Um, but the CAP Honors Program is, again, the, the campus university honors program. I got you. And you're the director of it. I am. I'm finishing up my sixth year okay. as director. So, like, are you appointed that or are you elected that or how does that work? Um, I actually had to go through an interview process for it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you wanted it to be it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have applied for the position if I didn't actually want it. That makes sense. Right. So. Okay. Um, yeah. So I had the position came open back in 2012, 2013, that academic year, and at that point, I had just earned tenure uh -huh. within chemistry, and uh, I didn't really think that at the time that it was something that I wanted to pursue, but I think some of my colleagues 
felt that I was a good fit for the position. Yeah. And some automatically just kind of assumed that I was going to apply for it. <laughs> uh, when in actuality, I, I, I kind of laughed at some of them, and I'm like, you're, you're nuts. Really? And, um, but I thought more about it, and uh, I had been invested in, I had been invested in the program in various ways since I had started at UIS. And so were you a professor in the honors program before you became the director? Yeah, so the courses that I teach within it are CAP 141-142, which is our biology and chemistry of the environment. It's a two-semester sequence for uh, non-science majors who are in the program. Yes. And I started teaching that in the spring of 2007. And I've been teaching that course ever since. Okay. And I've also been teaching uh, CAP 102, a section of it, for I think this is about seven years now I've been teaching it. So, um, yeah. So I always tell folks that I, I think I'm the longest running faculty member to, to have taught in honors consistently every semester. It sounds like it. Yeah. So. Do you think that helped whenever you were applying for the job? I think that it did, and I think that that was probably one reason why people thought I was a good fit for the position. Yeah. Um, even though I had zero administrative experience beforehand. <laughs> I gotcha. So. so I'm assuming you don't regret your decision so far. No, no. Uh, the, the job is, can be very challenging at times uh, because the position involves interaction with so many different people across campus. Yeah. Um, but I would say that the one thing that has really got me through some of the harder times was uh, my interaction with the students. Really? Yeah. Okay. As much as y'all drive me crazy sometimes, <laughs> uh, y'all at the same time do keep me sane. Well, there you go. So. Uh, I think many other people have noticed this on campus, but you do say y'all, and that is a Southern thing. And you also have an Alabama shirt That's or right. a pullover on. That's so right. would you like to elaborate where you're from initially? So I grew up in uh, north central Ohio. Okay. Uh, farm country. Uh -huh. I, lived in, I lived in the middle of a bean field or a <laughs> field, depending on the year. Um, I graduated from high school with about 500 students. Okay. 125 in my graduating class. Um, I did my undergraduate work, I double majored in environmental science and chemistry, and I went to a small private institution called Ashland University. I lived at home, Okay. commuted for four years. Um, went from Ashland to University of Tennessee in Knoxville mm -hmm. for my master's degree. Uh, that was from, you can do the math now to figure out, figure out, how, figure out how old I am, uh, but I was in Knoxville from 90, uh, excuse me, 96 to the January of 2000. Huh. And then I went from, then I went to Alabama from, starting from January of 2000 until May of 2005. So spending roughly nine years in the South, you pick up on some things that uh, okay. never really seem to leave you. And, and y'all is something, ironically enough, I even said it when I lived in Ohio, but it just became a little bit more in, even further ingrained after spending that, that long in the South. I got you. So, young Dr. Klingshirn in college, since you're a commuter student, like I don't know how that affected your education, how you perceive that affected your education, but were you involved on campus whenever you were a younger student? 
Um, I was not as much as I think I would have been had I lived on campus. Yeah. It's probably one thing I would have I, I would do over again. Okay. Um, at least in terms of my undergrad experience, undergraduate experience, um, I did it for financial reasons. Okay. Um, my parents didn't think I was going to go to college. Really. Um, now you're you have a doctorate. I do. Yeah. That's and, wild. And I never left. I never <laughs> left school. Yes. Um, but I was involved in, in some clubs, but again, not nearly to the extent I would have been had I been living on campus. Okay. Were you a partier back when you were younger? No. I gotcha. No. I, I stuck to the rules for the most part, and, and actually having to drive a 30 to the 40 minutes each way. That'd be rough. Yeah, would make it difficult. I gotcha. So, yeah. So... Now that you're here in Springfield, what do you think about actual the UIS campus? Did you teach anywhere before then? So I graduated from Alabama in 2005, and then I did a, a year and a half what's called a teaching postdoc, postdoctoral associate. So basically, it's a it's meant to be a, a gig after you get your PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do postdocs in postdocs always occur in uh, a higher ed situation yeah um but it's usually a prelude either uh to a full-time teaching gig or a uh, job in industry and so i i did a a year and a half long teaching postdoc at saint olaf college in uh, minnesota okay so and that was before i came here and that was at a college yes what do you like it here more than you did up there i'm assuming um very different institutions. Okay. Was it a lot bigger there? No. Uh, St. Olaf was, uh, It's. I think it's actually small, smaller than UIS. Oh, okay. Um, it's Lutheran-based. Um, they still had chapel. It wasn't required, I don't think, of students. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a very different kind of feel. Field. to the, Okay. Yeah. Um, but UIS has changed a lot since I've been here. Yeah. And I, I do like it. Well, that's good. Yeah. Would you change anything about the university now that you can see? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, there you go. The first one of many, I hope. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's on the right track. Uh-huh. Um, I do think that it, it tends to put the students first. I do think that they decisions try to be made with the student's best interests in mind. Um, and as long as an institution is doing that, I think I'd be okay with them Okay. as a whole. Do you like, I don't want to say it's a smaller campus, but I would say relatively it is, or at least comparatively. Do you appreciate that in this campus, or do you think it should be growing more, or what do you think? Um, so I appreciate the smallness of it. It reminds me of what Ashland was like back in the day for me. I got to know my professors really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I often say that if it wasn't for those relationships that I had built with them, I wouldn't have been successful and I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I had great advisors, I had great faculty. Um, and when I interviewed on at UIS back in 2006 in the spring, I kind of got that same vibe uh-huh. here. And had I not got that vibe when I came to interview, I don't think I would have accepted the position. 
I got so, you. Um, in terms of size itself, um, I don't have an issue with it growing as long as we maintain that, that personalized attention that we, we tell so much when it comes to recruiting students. Yeah. Do you think it's a better thing for the students compared to, say, if they went to Champaign, where the school is that big, where you don't know your professors or your faculty? Um, I'd imagine it has a negative effect. Well, I, I think it depends on the students. Yeah. Some students don't want to be known. known. Yeah. They're perfectly happy being this kind of enigma where they can do things on their own and just kind of maybe not be held as accountable. Um, so it just depends on the student, Okay. honestly. Um, I, I will say, though, that um, I think when it comes time for students applying for graduate school or professional school and letters of recommendation, I think at a school at UIS, you probably get stronger ones because we see what you look like mm -hmm. coming in, and we see the growth and maturity in the student over the four years, and we can talk about that in our letters. Well, that's pretty cool, actually. So, yeah, that's it's something that I, uh, um, I, I, I put a lot of thought into the letters that I write. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're personalized for the students. There you go. Yeah. So do you expect a lot of students, I'm assuming, for like chemistry, biology, like science majors, and I guess even STEM majors, I can't relate to that, obviously, but... Uh, do you think a lot of those students should like look at graduate school as an avenue after college? I only say that because in some of my political science courses and my communications courses, like these liberal art courses, they talk about how, like my political science professor was talking about how there's going to be downward mobility instead of upward mobility for most like children that come from these parents, like me and my class, have a chance of just moving downward rather than upward. That's just the way it's probably going to be. Do you think for people that have the opportunity to go to graduate school, would you advise them to do that, you think? Or it just depends on what they want to do, you think? I think it depends, again, I think it depends on the student. I got you. Um, graduate school, at least in the STEM fields, can be pretty grueling. Um, I'd imagine. It's a lot of lab work. Um, the coursework is a, is a means to an end. You can make your way through it, but... Um, I think, well, going, to, going for a master's degree versus a PhD, I think, are two different things. Okay. Um, I think anybody who goes through the, straight through to a PhD, you're not normal unless at some point you ask yourself, why the hell am I this? Because <laughs> it could really be, again, that grueling, grueling in terms of the, the time commitment that you have to put into it. You have to really want it. Yeah. Um, and some students, I think, get burned out after four years of undergrad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't do anything for anybody's personal, emotional, mental well-being to continue, you know. Something that just drains them. Correct. I gotcha. Correct. And we have, we have successful people who, who don't get advanced degrees, or even undergraduate degrees for that matter. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's all about your own personal values and, and, and what you what you want okay I'm, I'll be honest I've I've I think I'm going to make a better commitment to this university myself and I've talked to many people that said that maybe they didn't like the cap program I'm sure you had many conversations with people even that I'm friends with that have even dropped out of the cap program and I was skeptical if even college was for me 
I think I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I think I made it known a few times throughout the podcast and just talking through people. But I feel as though this university, I enjoy it, and I think I'm going to stay here all four years. But needless to say, I have thought about leaving. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'm iffy about, and I think you can shed some light on this, even if you can't give me a definitive answer. You're an, not when I say older, not in a disrespectful way, but you have a lot more life experience I'm, I'm than older, I do. You can say it. Yes. I feel as though that sometimes on just maybe college campuses in general, I have a limited view because this is the only one I've been on. But there's kind of a lack of diversity of thought. I get that feeling, not just like politically, but like expectations for a life outlook. Obviously, everybody has different avenues they want to pursue. But I feel not that we're all just coming in and punching a time card by going to college, but people. I don't want to say they have a lack of creativity, but individuality is something that's becoming fewer, if that makes sense. Do you ever notice something like that, you think? Um, I think think higher ed in general has changed over the years. Um, I think... Well, why that has happened, I'm not really sure, but I do think that the public perception of higher ed has has changed. Um, I think it is expected pretty much for students to get, to go on to college. Like you said, it's like you have to go to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't agree with that. that it's not for everybody. Um, I think that... How can I say this? It's, in some ways, and this is gonna trivialize things a bit, I think, but I I think in some ways, a four-year degree, in some cases, is nothing more than a enhanced or glorified tech degree, depending on what area you go into. Yeah. Um, Everything, higher ed, I think in the past, has always been kind of this, exploration of knowledge Mm -hmm. whereas I think in some disciplines it's become so focused on that one discipline that it kind of undermines I think what higher ed in college should be if that makes sense I I think I understand that and this actually I have a plethora of things I want to talk to you about so I think this is a good segue like, did, was there ever times where you thought that you didn't want to go to college? That I didn't? Yes. No. You always knew that you wanted to pursue something greater. Yeah. Uh, my brother and my, and my sister both went to the vocational school uh, that was nearby, mm-hmm. picked up some kind of a, a trade, I guess you could call it. My brother uh, went into uh, heating and air conditioning uh, as like a tech type thing. He ended up going into the Air Force oh, once okay. he graduated from from uh, high school. Uh, my sister picked up uh, bookkeeping, and she went into insurance for a while, then she went into banking, and now she does like uh, uh, real estate and okay. title loans and those kinds of things. Um, but I never really wanted to go that route. I, I didn't see that as, a, mm-hmm. as an option for me. Um, so... I thought I wanted to be a teacher as well, so I knew that I couldn't pursue that without going to college. Yeah. So, 
So you knew from a young age that you already wanted to be a teacher? I thought I wanted to teach high school. Oh. I didn't think that I would end up as a college professor. professor. Okay. I think you mentioned it briefly one time in one of our CAP like meetings, but would you like to elaborate on some of the things that happened? Yeah, it, it was interesting because I was, uh, I thought I wanted to teach biology and uh, maybe physics in high school. Yeah. I didn't like chemistry um, for various reasons. Um, but when I got to college, I found myself not enjoying biology as much as I as much as I enjoyed it in high school, um, and I found myself enjoying chemistry much more than I did in high school. So things kind of flipped for me. Okay. Uh, I realized that I'm not great at just rote memorization. I'm much better at problem solving mm -hmm. and mathematics, and obviously chemistry lends itself more to that than biology does. Yeah. And uh, my undergrad. They actually started you in the school system very quickly. Uh, my spring semester, my freshman year, I was placed as a shadowing uh, student in the. It was, it was eighth grade. It was a it was a middle school. Uh, I think it was eighth grade middle school um, science class, and the students were just nuts. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that age, if the hormones were starting to kick in. Yeah. But the students were just absolutely crazy, and not only to uh, you know the substitute teachers that I had worked you know, with, worked with, but also the regular teachers. And I, I, I tell the story that there was one day there was a, a substitute teacher, and in charge of the class, and the bell rang that this particular day, and we didn't have desks; we had tables. Uh huh. And I saw one student literally jump across the top of the tables to get out the door. And I'm like, what is happening? And at that point, I said to myself, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not going to be happy if I can't physically restrain these students or throw something at them. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. There you go. And so I went to my ed advisor at the time, because I had one in the education department and one in, in the sciences. I went to my ed advisor and I said, I'm done. Call it quits. I'm, I'm out. And he looked at me square in the eye and said, well, he said, I understand, but I'm going to tell you that more often than not, people who start off, who start out in the education arena come back to it at some point in their lives. And I, I laughed at him. I said, you're, I appreciate your advice and you're, you're crazy. Yeah. He paid you though, apparently. Yeah. Apparently he knew something. Well, there you go. Here I am. All right. So you mentioned a couple of things already. You've talked about critical thinking and problem solving. I think that lends it to the honors program that you we've already talked about. Do you think that's why you enjoy the honors program? Because it's more about critical thinking and using multiple disciplines? Or how should I say interdisciplinary? Yeah. Um, how about I'll let you elaborate on interdisciplinary since you are the honors director. Yeah. So interdisciplinary is really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's, I, it's, it's hard for students, and admittedly, I think it's even hard for faculty at times. Really? Um, so, I, I talk about, I think I've mentioned this in my section of CAP 102, we were talking about the, the topic, but I found this really great analogy that I think kind of fits, but at the same time, it's really hard to 
uh, meat. So, do you like smoothies? Yes. What are your What do you like in your smoothies? So I like bananas, strawberries. I try to put some protein powder whenever I work out and put that stuff in there. Right. Uh, my dad puts flaxseed in mine because I, apparently I need to worry about my prostate eventually. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, I think I know where you're going, but continue. Okay. So <laughs> if you think about, you know, bananas have their own unique flavor. Mm-hmm. Strawberries have their own unique flavor. But when you put the two together... It's a whole different flavor. Yeah. Right? You still have essence of banana and essence of strawberries, but what you get at the end is neither of those. It's something completely new. I got you. So that's the analogy that we that I, I like to use when it comes to talking about interdisciplinarity. Um, but again, it's 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 a hard it's a hard topic to uh, to really get right. Um, I will admit, and I, again, I'm very, I'm very upfront about this. Um, before I became director, I was talk, I was talking with some, I don't know if they were first or second year students, but it was in the chemistry lab that I was teaching at the time, and they had asked me if I would ever consider teaching one of the question courses that we have. There you go. Who am I? How do you know what is good and what is power? And I laughed at them, and I said. Nah, those those aren't for me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why? And I said, well, they're a little bit weird to me as a science person. Like they're know, too abstract. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it didn't really fit um, kind of my bag in terms of expertise and scholarship and that kind of stuff. And admittedly, even I think before. Even as I, was, as I was applying for the position of director, I still didn't really fully come to grips with what those question courses entailed. Yeah. Um, but the longer that I think about what those questions are really asking you to think about, uh-huh. they're so important. The idea of who am I in terms of identity, we've, our society is so diverse right now. And to be able to understand people from different cultures and different, even just different parts of the United States, you know, LGBTQ issues, uh, you know, the the Me Too movement, all of that stuff is wrapped into identity. Mm -hmm. So it's such an interesting question, I think, at this point to be thinking about. How do you know, again, where we're at right now in our society with this whole thing of fake news and made up banter Mm -hmm. to be able to try to pick out you know what is really good information uh, it's so important yes what is good it's ethics it's morality again there's so much in our current society that uh, plays into that Mm -hmm. government huge you know, uh, huge player when it comes to ethics and, and morality and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then power, I mean, again, political science. If government isn't a form of power, I don't know, I don't know what is. Yes. So, so the questions themselves, again, are, uh, again, I think are really, really interesting. And Again, given our current society, I think if you can really look at the big questions and the big picture about things, they're really, really important. So, 
All right. I can tell you're very passionate about the honors program, and I respect that. So I do have a question for you. This is going to be a pretty straightforward one, but I think it's going to lead into the second thing. I'm assuming you wanted to take the honors course here at UIS if you were an undergrad. I probably would, because I'm not I'm not one of those persons that, um, or one of those people that is, uh, uh, I just like to learn. Mm -hmm. I I... Even back when I was an undergrad, I was not an honor student back in undergrad. I didn't even know that it even existed. It yeah. wasn't something that was, uh, I don't think, I don't even know if it was even available to computer students. Um, it's it's not here either, but, um, but you know, I still took courses in religion. I still took courses in political science. I still took courses in human development. Mm -hmm. um, and there was never a time, there was never a time when I ever went to a class and I'm like, God, I really hate this. Really? Never. That's impressive. I mean, there were times that I found the courses extremely challenging, mm -hmm. but to say that I don't want to be here, I don't want to be learning this material, I can't, I can't think of ever a time. I took a course in differential equations. It was awful. <laughs> but it wasn't as if I'm like, why am I having to do this? I never, I never asked those questions. Really? I just really enjoyed learning, and I think that's what... Um, I think that's something that's missing these days. That's impressive. That lends a lot to your character, I think. Obviously, I'm a young person, so I can't say a whole lot of my perspective of the world. But I think it's impressive, and I think it shows in the honors program, but also as you as a person, that I can tell that this actually matters to you. I think in different schools, from my understanding, from talking to my friends that went to bigger universities or different universities, a lot of people are just trying to get there to get a paycheck. And I don't think you have that, that disposition, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. If I was doing this for the money, then I'm doing it for the wrong reason. There you go. That's a very respectable thing. Yeah. Um, I am taking How Do I Know Right Now. Mine is the ocean-based class. I will be honest. This is a controversial opinion. I don't think it's as bad as I expected it to be. I don't like it, per se. I will be legitimately honest with you when I say that. I like my professors. I think Dr. Shpinsky and Dr. Graff, they're nice people. I think, sadly, whenever we were registering for my classes, my grandfather had passed away, and that is, I had to wait like a week and a half to register, and so I wasn't able to pick the class I wanted to. I was interested in the philosophy and the Shakespeare and the Bible one. That was gonna be the bread and butter one for me. Alas, that did not happen. Um, Whenever I was the CAP 102, the intro to honors class, I think these all lend to each other. Obviously, the professors. Do you pick the professors that are in the CAP program that teach certain ones, by the way? I So I do recruitment for faculty. Okay. Uh, some I know that there are some faculty who just aren't cut out for teaching within honors because y'all are a very unique kind of cohort. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that there are some faculty who... Uh, not to sound disrespectful to them, but I don't know if they really have the right temperament. Yeah. So, but I guess the short answer to your question is, is yes. I got you. Well, again, I think my oceanography class, I do appreciate them. I don't dislike the course per se. I think some of the coursework that we do, and I think this, not necessarily for the CAP 102 class, just because I know that you guys use that course to help acclimate students for honors, not only the honors program, but college. Like some of the readings and some of the projects that we do, I'm kind of skeptical of, but I do respect the overarching theme of we're trying to learn how to think critically and use interdisciplinary thinking. Yeah. 
Um, I, I was in my political ideologies class talking about dialectics. I think that lends a lot to interdisciplinary, just like problem solving in general. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it is a little too complex for me. Whenever, like example, I'm giving a presentation on Tuesday about whaling and musicology and how it relates to socialization in the ocean. That is a stretch for me. I'm going to be 110% with you. I have an idea of how I'm going to do it, but some stuff is just a little too abstract. And I could never imagine doing a STEM major or something that involves mathematics or chemistry because I don't think I'd be good at it. Mm -hmm. I think the way I'll ever make my living is through talking to people. So that being said, I do appreciate it, but there are some drawbacks that I have a hard time dealing with in the CAP program. Sure. But I think you would agree with the statement, and if you don't, you're obviously welcome to disagree. But I don't think everybody is cut out for the CAP program. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Totally. I don't know how often you guys have to turn people down for the program, but whenever I talk to people, and some people aren't interested in going to college, they're only doing it because they think it will help them get a job that they'll like better. Mm-hmm. And I think college, for that example, is a good idea. But also, whenever I came to college, I my first choice of school was going to be Washington University. I did not get admitted. Gotcha. And so the thing was, I was just going to be a political science major with a minor in philosophy. And they had another, like they at WashU, this was their idea. They had like a triple major trifecta thing where they had, I think, political, not maybe not political science. It was something philosophy and psychology to have a better understanding of people, and that really appealed to me. And so whenever I didn't get admitted, I was crushed. I sat in my living room with my parents, and we didn't speak for 15 minutes. We just sat there in front of the computer screen, and I didn't know what to do. And then the next avenue for me was, this is going to sound a little probably too idealistic, but my dream job would be having something like this that could support me. Sure. I think, all right, I'll level with you, Dr. Klingshurn. I don't tell this to too many people, but these are my aspirations. If I, I don't know if I'll ever become a person like Martin Luther King or anything like a big visionary that can change the world, but I'd like to try. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this whenever I did my beauty project, that you thought I had altruistic ideas. That being said, I do say some wacky stuff sometimes. I'm sure if you told me you listened to a couple of Martin Seven podcasts, I'm sure you heard that. Like people I looked up to were John Stewart and Robin Williams. And I always had an appreciation for people that can take bad situations and make them, I guess, livable. I don't know what the right word is, but being able to cope with certain things through humor. Mm -hmm. But not too many people get to see me be serious. And I try not to do that too often just because it's not enjoyable. I'm a lot more enjoyable whenever I'm being funny. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest reason that I decided to go to college instead of like dropping out and trying to move to a coast is And I've talked to my parents about this. I want to, but I'm not going to. I think it's a lot smarter if I went through college. And sometimes I became skeptical if UIS was going to be able to help me actualize my dreams, if that makes sense. But after talking to people, talking with my friends, even though it's more of my parents that help kind of... Like, sometimes I catch flack for that because I listen to my parents a lot. I think that's not a popular thing to do. I try to take in different points of view from most people. They usually know what they're talking about. I strongly agree. So, and I, 
I don't want to say I'm putting my faith, even though I, I would say I am, into the honors program. I do believe even if I don't reach that end goal for me, even whenever I become skeptical at times, even whenever I become disappointed with what's happening, I should probably put more faith in what this college has to offer. And I'm not trying to blow smoke because, don't get me wrong, I could. I'm not going to. I don't want you to. Thank you. But there have been times where I thought, what's going to happen? What's the, the likelihood of me becoming a superstar or becoming a visionary that can help people? I thought maybe my college would have an effect on that, like negatively. But I don't think that's possible. I think if I put my faith in the right resources, and I think the honors program, I don't know other honors programs might have this, but I used to worry a lot. I used to worry about a lot of things. I used to worry about my relationships, my future, taking it day by day versus looking at it the long haul. But I do appreciate the university. Obviously, everything has its shortcomings. But I don't know. That's kind of why I asked that problem, not problem, but question about thought diversity here at campus, because I don't see too many people that want these big things at the end. And I don't know if that's because people don't feel comfortable talking about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that where you didn't feel comfortable sharing an idea, or I'm sure there's plenty of students on campus that have ideas that they want to share or aspirations they want to share, but they don't feel comfortable. But I, sometimes I feel like college students or just people in general don't have enough faith in themselves, if that makes sense. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in society. I completely agree with that. Thank you. I completely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> it seems as though that these days it seems like people are more concerned about what people think of them as opposed to you know, worrying about thinking of yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really, I guess that's just the way I don't want to say society affects us always and you can't keep your individuality because of society, but people just, they lose their individuality because they don't think they think it'll be important to them. They feel like it's an easier path and people don't have self-respect or faith in themselves that they can do what they want to do. And I feel like colleges, maybe even bigger colleges, kind of don't help them because they just become anonymous in a sea of people. Mm -hmm. I think smaller colleges are probably good for this because you get to know people and they get to see you for who you are. I got admitted into Champaign, but I came here. And I was going to go to SIUC if I didn't get admitted anywhere else because I lived five minutes off of campus. And they gave me a scholarship that was probably about the same as coming to UIS, but I wanted to leave my hometown to see if I can make it on my own. Mm -hmm. And I liked proving that to myself. And a lot of people, I feel, are just afraid to take risks because they don't have enough faith in themselves. But I feel as though you can relate to that because you went on your own. Yeah. You became a doctor in chemistry, correct? Correct. So whenever you were younger, did you experience these things of, do you have, did you ever lose faith in yourself whenever you're trying to figure out what you wanted to do or how are you going to do it? Um, well... When I realized that I didn't want to be a high school teacher, you know, very early in my undergraduate career, when I got to the end of it, I kind of asked myself, what is it do I want to do next? Mm -hmm. And at that point, 
Well, there were a few things that were going on. The economy was not great back at that point in time. When was it? Like 2001 or something? Oh, bless you, but no. Uh, <laughs> I graduated in high school, and well, I graduated. I graduated high school in 1992. I see. I'm 44 years old. Okay. You just wanted if you want just to say it. Thank you. Um, so I graduated in 92. Um, graduated from Ashland in 96. Okay. And then at that point, <clears throat> excuse me, I um. I really didn't think that I knew enough. I didn't think that I knew enough to be able to positively contribute to society. Uh And so that was why, probably the biggest reason I went on to graduate school at Tennessee. Okay. So um, I don't know if I would call that self-doubt in myself, but it was more in terms of I'm just not ready yet. Mm -hmm. So I need need to work on myself more. And the easiest way for me to do that was to, to continue to pursue more education. I gotcha. Well, actually, you brought up something that I thought was pretty interesting because I did want to ask you a question about some of the CAP programs here, or some of the classes, I should say. Whenever I first came to UIS, I was fairly skeptical of discussion-based class format. I still kind of am, but I can, I can, I have an idea of what you're going to say, but I do want you to say it for yourself. Sometimes I feel as though discussion-based class is not necessarily adequate because I don't have enough faith in the students around me. Mm-hmm. I know the honors program is meant to bring students from different backgrounds together. They have different ideas, obviously different majors. I'm majoring in communications with a minor in political science. That's completely different than a friend of mine that's in biology or computer science or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the interdisciplinary part of that discussion-based class format is because of that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I do feel or I worry that I'm getting the adequate amount of information that I would rather if somebody was just lecturing it. But it's like the honors program, would you argue that the discussion-based format is the best for that? Whenever I say that, I guess I should be referencing, like, who am I? Right. Well, I think it goes back to... It's hmm, an interesting question. The... I think, I think depending on the class and depending on the faculty, you can get as much out of a discussion-based class as you would a lecture-based class. Okay. But not every faculty member is is geared toward, you know, that kind of a mm-hmm. that kind of a setup. I don't think I'm one of them. Yes. I'm a, I'm a STEM person. It's science person. Um, we generally are very linear thinkers. It's Sometimes we kind of get off track and we get ourselves kind of lost sometimes. Um, yes. But there are, um, I think if it's done correctly, that faculty can, can, can get just as much covered in a discussion-based class as it would a lecture. Um, with regard to students kind of at different levels, that's mm-hmm. kind of what you were alluding to, um, I would say there is that. There are some students who are much more vocal about their ideas. Yes. And there are others that it's like I probably couldn't even tell you what they even sound like in terms of like voice recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, have, I think, have got to learn to be uncomfortable. And I think students need to be willing to just put themselves out there yes to 
say what they want, say not say what they want because that can get you in trouble yes. in terms of the, the PC-ness these days. Uh -huh. um, but if, if I ask a student, what do you think? And they said, well, nothing or I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's BS. Yes. That, I... That's BS. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes us to try to you know, extract it out of them in, in whatever way that can happen. Do you think... Would you consider yourself an introvert, by the way? Yes. All right, I, I would too. I just wanted to make sure that we agreed on that. Yes. Whenever. You consider me an introvert? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you consider me an introvert? Uh, I think you probably have your moments. Yes, I do. You're a smart man. How'd you know? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> but uh, my I, forty-four years as on this earth has kind of told me that. Well, there you go. Um, I try to I try to use both whenever I need to. I guess is what I should say. But uh, anyway. Whenever you said something about how sometimes students just say, I don't know, I think, would that be because they're afraid to voice their opinions because they might sound wrong? Or yes. Okay. Yes. I absolutely think that's the case. I gotcha. I, would, I think you already mentioned it, but you said people should try to feel more uncomfortable. Yes. I think to lend to it, live a little. I believe life is about experiencing things that might be painful just so you grow as a person. Uh, my... AP, not AP, well, he was my honors English teacher junior year and he was a librarian at my school. And we talked a lot and he said, you never grow on the mountaintops, you grow in the valleys, whatever. And I, I think about that a lot. We had some interesting things that occurred in high school that we had to deal with. But he helped me understand that some things happen for a reason. I do want to ask you a question about some of I think it's more personal to you. I, by the way, you're obviously welcome to ask me questions, but again, this is more about you, Dr. Klingsher. Uh, one of my favorite uh, characters in literature is Atticus Finch. I love the idea of doing the right thing even when it's hard. Obviously, I'm human, so again, everybody makes mistakes, but somebody like Atticus Finch, I think, is somebody that people should strive to be. Uh, whenever, do you ever read in your free time? I probably read more science and politics stuff these days. I got you. Uh, did you have a, okay, then I'll make it a little broader. What's, if you had to, it's probably gonna be a hard question for you since you're a learned man, but I'll still ask it anyway. Whenever you read, like over your lifespan, did you have a favorite book that you've come across or a favorite character of literature or a favorite author that you've had? Uh, gosh. I don't know if I ever really gra gravitated toward one particular genre. Genre. Okay. Um, I have a hard time with science fiction because I find myself picking apart, picking it apart. I'd imagine. And thinking to myself, "Yeah, that's that's BS. not right. That's okay. BS." Um, so, I don't know. That's a that's a hard uh, that's a hard question. That's all right. And again, what and again, in my years now. And based on what I do for my scholarship, even it's it's much more focused in terms of a specific area. I got gotcha. you. All right, well, let's make sure. I'm gonna scoot that closer to you one time. I think you're good, but I'd imagine people can hear you. I just want to make sure we're good. Gotcha. We guess how far we're into this podcast. Hour. Uh, Forty-eight minutes. Mm -hmm. All right. So back in. I won't say back in high school. This is more having to do with just life in general. 
Um, I'll ask you about your religious beliefs since you're a man of science. And usually, I think, I know some scientists try to separate their religious views from their actual like discipline views, but what is your take on religion? I know a lot of college people, again, as you can see, I have a crucifix around my neck. I, I am a Christian, but I am open to understanding anybody's perspective of life, so I'd like to hear yours, if that's yeah. okay. Uh, I was raised Catholic. Yes. Uh, I went through catechism, all that stuff. Uh, I was obviously baptized and confirmation and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, my religious views, I think, have kind of evolved over the years. Um, I didn't really, I, I never enjoyed going to church as a, as a kid. Yeah. I was basically forced to go. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was mostly just because, in terms of why I didn't appreciate it, was I didn't fundamentally, I think you, looking back, I don't think I fundamental, fundamentally agreed with the whole kind of uh, concept that you've got these buildings that have got these statues and that everybody needs to come into this building to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, worship, to right. worship, right. Um, I think there's something from the Bible that says something like if two people come in his name, then, you know, that's, you know, you don't, it's very, I, again, wacky. I, I, yeah. That's um, fine. No, trust me, Dr. Klingshin. But, but having said that, um, it's funny that you asked this because this came up a little bit in my science class uh, last week. Um, because we were talking about the Big Bang Theory uh -huh. and this thing called string theory, which oh. is, um, it, we boil it down to the very nuts and bolts of basics of it. But um, if, I, if I can divert a little bit You're, toward that. Do whatever you need to do. So we talked about the Big Bang, the Big Bang kind of like the theory of how the universe be, began. Uh -huh. And then we were talking about string theory, which is, again, it's multifaceted, but one piece of it is that all of us, you, me, this table, the computer, all the stuff are essentially made of atoms. Yes. Right? Reasonable. Yes. Uh, all bonded together in a very complex way that gives us our own unique characteristics, right? Fair. An atom table, you know, this hard table, this computer that can do magnific magnific magnificent things. Yes. Um, you, you know, you can carry on dialogue and all these things, but ultimately we're all made of the exact same thing. True. Right? Okay. So then the question becomes, okay, those atoms are made up of subatomic sub particles. Mm -hmm. Protons, neutrons, electrons, quarks, so on and so forth. Well, string theory then asks the question, what are those subatomic sub particles made of? <laughs> and so there's this idea, again, it's kind of science fiction in some ways. Um, there's mathematics that support it to an extent, but the one of the tenets of string theory is that the subatomic particles are made up of these tiny vibrating loops of energy. That's weird. And these vibrating loops of energy have frequencies that are indicative of the type of particle that they are. Okay. And so, again, if you think about the structure of the atom, You've got your nucleus with protons and neutrons inside, mm -hmm. you've got electrons around it, and if each of those are just simply made up of vibrating loops of energy mm -hmm. or strings of energy, 
what ultimately are we as beings in the context of our larger world? Yeah. We're all just... Loops of energy? Loops of energy. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so the question then becomes, when we pass, mm -hmm. what happens to that energy? Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Laws of thermodynamics say that, uh, or one of them at least says, that energy is not created nor destroyed. It simply changes from one form to another. Like we're turning into fossil fuel or something like that? Well, our physical components would be, but in terms of that energy that we technically are. Mm -hmm. Anyways, where I'm going with this is I, I view that the energy that supposedly we all are would be indicative of our souls. Okay, that seems fair. Yeah, that seems reasonable. And then you often ask, okay, well, how did the Big Bang start? Uh -huh. uh, that's, nobody really knows, you know. Uh, they've studied it, they have beliefs, but they don't truly know. Uh-huh. And I'm on the viewpoint that something had to have started it. Yes. Something did. Yeah. What that something is, I don't know. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of my religious beliefs. Do I believe that there's a higher being? There sure as hell better be. Yeah. Um, because this earth is kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, it can be a very warm and positive place yes at the same time this place can be very dark and very brutal brutal and so there's got to be something more after this i got you so that's kind of where i'm at I'm so would you religion. consider yourself like an agnostic person like um i don't want to pin you down but i just want to get a better understanding just to yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I haven't completely dismissed my Catholic okay. roots, but... Like, do you go to Mass on Christmas or something? Is that what you're telling me? Occasionally. <laughs> hey, there you occasionally, go. Occasionally, <laughs> sometimes on Easter. What a nice man. Yeah. Um, but admittedly, it's not too often. I got you. That's okay. Hey, as long as we get you every once in a while. Yeah. I, I figure, again, my my personal time... My time that I spend outside, that's my time talking with the big guy or big person. I got you. Big, big, big female upstairs, whichever. Whatever works up there. Right. Um, I, I'm going to paraphrase philosophy that I've learned over my lifetime, and obviously I'm going to do a bad job because this is stuff that I used to learn a long time ago. But, uh, like, there's always that clockmaker argument about God, and it's like somebody's had to make this... But then the counter argument is something had to make God. Like, I've heard that one a lot. Uh, one that I know some of my family use is like, there's no way that a world like this can just be all coincidence, how it all started. And I think that might be similar to the idea of how the Big Bang Theory, something had to trigger that. Right. Um, but also, ironically, this isn't the best outlook. And I don't want to say necessarily I have it, but I think about it every once in a while. I was like, what's the harm in believing in a higher power? And I'm not saying, well, I'm not trying to say you should just believe in it because what's the harm in it, but I'm saying that religion, I'd say depending on what your philosophy and political ideas are, uh, it just kind of depends on what you want to do with that religious ideology. Mm -hmm. I think no religion is inherently bad. It's the people that use that religion for their political motives, not political in the sense of liberal or conservative necessarily, but just 
what things they want to achieve, if they use religion to support that, that's when we say like Islamic terrorism or the Westboro Baptist Church. I don't think Islam is necessarily bad because of Islamic terrorism. And I would make the same argument for Westboro Baptist Church isn't a representative of Christianity as a whole. But again, it's what you use with your ideology of what religion is and how it supports you as a human being. I'd like to say that I use my Christianity. Again, I don't say if you don't have religion, you're a moralist person. That'd be a pretty mean thing to say to somebody. But again, it can support your ideas, turn the other cheek, uh, try to be open and accepting of thy neighbor, stuff like that. I think depending on what you want to take out of your religion, that's who you become as a person. Or if you don't have religion, depending on what you want to take out of just your moral or ethics at all, that's right. who you become. And the person that I'm named after, he was a man, his word is his bond, and I try to do that every day that I can. Obviously, we're human, we fall through, but again, just try your best. I think a lot of people in this world, a lot of conflicts, and again, this is what this podcast is about, is understanding. If people had more understanding of each other, there'd be a lot less conflict. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Make a guess. who am I? There you right. go. I will tell you my who am I professor, Dr. Jim Klein, very amazing man. I imagine you had to talk to him a little bit before you just gave him the job of being a professor. Again, I'm not going to bust him out or anything because I love the class. I've talked to some of my other professors that were who am I teachers. He did not really have course-heavy work. We wrote like a paper the entire semester, but it was all discussion-based. And some teachers that I've talked to argue that that's not the greatest because we didn't get a good sense of what who am I was mm -hmm. in the context that everybody else got it. But emotionally, that class hit me pretty hard. I'll level with you, Dr. Klingstrand. There was multiple times that I came out with a tear in my eye. Yeah, and I heard that actually a few times from, from other students. So there you go. Yeah. So I will say, again, college is about learning and testing your knowledge, I think. But I was definitely challenged whenever it came to who am I for my professor, not in the sense of my like a test or anything, but just the way I perceived myself. And I have a pretty good idea. Again, I don't think this was the takeaway that he necessarily wanted or what the honors program intended, but I've always had a pretty strong idea of who I thought I was as a person. And I haven't changed that much from high school. Like from middle school, I was pretty angsty. And some of high school I was, I'll admit that. But I'd like to say, I don't like the idea of changing who I am as a person. Maturing is one thing, but if I ever lost my, I don't want to say whimsical or flamboyant nature, but I'll, I'll stick with that because of lack of a better word. Sure. Robin Williams had a quote, something like, you're given a spark of insanity, you mustn't lose it. I think it gives you flavor of life. I think that's very important to me. That's why I'm a little boisterous, have one too many Diet Cokes, that happens to me. But I think everybody has something like that, and I don't want to give it in monotony ever. And that's why I have my aspirations that I do. And I think you can understand that. I, I can only imagine how many people that you've talked to, taught, seen through the honors program. I, you have, how many people on the honors program this year, would you say? Uh, we had in your, so you're, you're still first year, so we had. I'm still a small child. We had 88, I think, come in with your, with your cohort. 88. So how many honors classes have come through this university, if you had to guess? Oh, 
I think it started in 2001. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were, they were the, the CAP students were the first freshmen on campus. Right. So, yeah, I'll just say a lot. All right, but that's my point. You've seen a lot of people come through this program, and I'd say a lot of people had varying ideas, intentions, aspirations. And I don't know from, I'm sure you've talked to plenty of students. Obviously, this is the first podcast thing you've been on. But I'm sure you've run into people that have similar intentions that I do. Mm-hmm. It's just I haven't had the pleasure of meeting them. Hopefully I do eventually. But I'd imagine I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but you getting to experience what is passionate to other students is what you like about the honors program. Is one of the That's what I enjoy about teaching in general. I gotcha. We've talked about it walking into University Hall building over there the other day. We were talking about that you would at least want to go back to uh, teaching chemistry if you didn't stay at the honors program. So, back to you, I should say. Do you not intend on retiring in the honors program, if you had to guess? No, absolutely not. Okay. I, I do believe that, um, I believe in term limits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. <laughs> that's, that's a fancy way, but okay. Um. No, it, I, I, I do think that I mean, when I took the job, there were certain things that I was trying to do and trying to change about it. Uh-huh. Um, I think I've made some positive changes to it, uh, but at the same time, I think that it, it, at, at some point, and when that will be, I'm not really quite sure yet, I do think it's, it'll be time for somebody else to, to take the leads. And, what a and, noble and man, go at it. George Washington over here. <laughs> man. So... Do you think you'll retire at UIS if you had any guess? Um, I, I, that's, I learned it, I've learned to never say never. Never say never. Um, at this point, I would say yes, mm-hmm. but again, life, that's the beauty of life. It can pull you in ways that you never would have imagined. I don't think I, I never would have thought I would have, would have ended up here to mm-hmm. begin with. So um, I had an offer. I had an offer from here, and an offer from a school in Georgia. Okay. And I had chose this over the one in Georgia. There you go. Um, so uh, I've learned to again sometimes expect the unexpected. I gotcha. So let's say you magically retire. Flash forward to however long that is. Do you have an idea of where you want to go? Um. You want to be out in the mountains somewhere catching fish, fly fishing? You want to go on the beach? Well, anybody who knows me knows I have a fascination with water. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, there's lots of places. There you go. I think you'd like my How Do I Know class, apparently. Yeah. I actually, I remember there was something that came to my news feed uh, that made me think of Dr. F's and Chapinski's section, and I had actually sent them the <laughs> the article that I was reading, and they're like, "This is great. We're going to use it." Oh boy! So, can I ask what it was? I, it, it was a couple of years ago, so I don't remember the details. Oh, I see. I got gotcha. you. We may have already learned about it. Who knows? Perhaps. So, like, does that mean you want to go like sailing? Eventually, um, you want to live on a beach somewhere? I'd love to be a beach bum. Who wouldn't want to be a beach bum? Yeah. You running on the beach? By the way, you like running. I do. That's what I thought. Yeah. Did you ever like run in high school or college or anything like that? I ran 
track and cross country in high school. I hey. sucked at it. But, um, What'd you run? Uh, distance, distance for track, I'd imagine? Yeah. You look like a distance runner. Yeah, well, I've put on some pounds this brutal winter that we've had. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was a distance runner. Again, I was not good at it. Did you run like the mile and the two mile? Yeah. I got you. Uh, I tried the half, but it was... Like the 800? Yeah. That's was, brutal. Was, That's like a two-lap sprint. Man. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was just awful. Yeah. Um, I ran track my senior year, and I hurt my knee after like the second meet, so I didn't run too often. Like They said I looked like a, a wounded pigeon running after <laughs> I hurt my knee, sadly. But uh, I can respect that. But uh, yeah, do you remember any of your times whenever you ran? Oh, I'd rather not disclose those. Oh, really? It was not. It, it, I mean, I was the one that was killing the, 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 the team. Oh. Yeah, it, it, was, it was never a good. Did I, you enjoy it at least? I did it mostly for the social experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as running can be because mm-hmm. uh, it's a very personal kind of, you know, uh, experience. But... I did mostly for the team camaraderie and trying to get out of my introverted motive. Did it help you? Being a little bit, a little bit, not a whole lot, but. So, okay. What do you think? I'm assuming you're a lot more outgoing than you were back in high school. Is that a correct assumption? Or are you about the same? I, I've gotten more comfortable. There you go. You know, what, what's, isn't there a communication theory that talks about like face, FaceTime, or uh, it has to do with like, depending on where you're at, you end up kind of taking on a different kind of persona. Yes. Like when I'm in front of the classroom, I have a different persona than what I, probably what I have now. Okay. Um, so. I'd imagine. Well, if it makes you feel better from all the students that I talk to that take your class, they think you're a very nice man. Um, I, okay, there were a couple of requests of a questions that I had to ask you. Okay. Um, this is the biggest one. I'm actually worried. Uh, nah, it's, this is the only question I'll ask because I, I've used this terminology before myself. But uh, how do you feel, and please don't get up and walk out if I ask you this question, but people refer to you as Cling Daddy and Cling Poppy. <laughs> Can we, do you know of that? And if you do, can you elaborate on how that started? Because I, I feel like this is only, it may be very brief, but still. Um, I, I knew of them. I knew of the, of the names. Um, how do I feel about them? I've been called worse. Yeah. Okay, well that's, <laughs> I, I'd imagine that. Um, how would you feel if some, like a student in your class referred to you as Queen Daddy in the middle of the lecture? Would you be offended or would you just stop teaching or tell them to get the hell out? <laughs> now, is, should I expect this to happen sometime in the near future? If people are listening to this, there's a small chance. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think I'd probably laugh. Okay. I think it would knock me back for at least a couple of seconds or so, mm-hmm. um, but I would probably dismiss it. Okay. So I, I, I wouldn't take offense to it. I don't take myself that seriously there most you. of the time. Um, so, yeah. But as to how it originated, I think I have this kind of weird, I think y'all have this weird kind of perception <laughs> of me. Okay. Um, I mean, you see me as a teacher. You see me as the director of the program. 
your parish probably equates to like a principal. Your head honcho. In, in some ways, yeah. Um, and so I think, I don't think y'all know how to take me sometimes. That's pretty, that's a fair assessment, I think. I think. And I think it's, I think it's okay that way. Keep it that way? Yeah. That makes sense. And at the same time, I, I, I do, I, I am, I, I do think in some ways I am kind of parental. Uh-huh. Um, not like I keep dibs on all of you. <laughs> uh, I always say I stay out of your stuff unless you bring me into it. Okay. Um, so I think that kind of principal slash director slash I'm now old enough to be all of your, you know, I'm old enough to be your dad. Yes. It makes so, you feel any better. My parents are actually older than you. Okay. Um, so I think that's probably where it came about. That, that, I feel like that's reasonable. So, all right. We are, I'm going to say, you're welcome to ask me any questions, by the way, but I am going to ask you, like, the big overarching question of the podcast. Okay. This is the Pursuit of the Happiness podcast, if you do recollect. Yes. What would you quantify, or what would you define as your happiness? What makes you happy, Dr. Klingshin? This is usually wherever. Yeah. This is where the thinking starts, and that's okay. Yeah. Everybody has to do it. I even do it whenever people ask me that, and I've recited my answer four or five times. He's got his thinking do you face mean, on. Do you mean like overarching happiness, or what makes me happy in like us in like any given day? How about both? I feel like the any given day is the easier one, so let's start with that one. Um, like, well, when there's no drama, I don't no like drama. drama. Okay. So, no nonsense kind of man. Yeah, no drama makes me happy. Um, Reasonable. When I feel like things are being thrown at me to the point to where it's like a, a becomes like a minefield sometimes uh-huh. to navigate, that doesn't make me happy. Does that happen often whenever you're the director? It depends on the day. I guess you have to deal with stuff that happens. So. It depends on the day, yeah. There's there's certain things about this job that I didn't really envision. Okay. You like, do you almost feel like a high school principal at times? Sometimes. Yeah, I, I was afraid of that. Yeah, sometimes. But again, I mean, what, you're 18, 19 years old? 19, yep. Yeah, so you're still in those kind of crazy years. I would not consider myself an adult. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I just wish that y'all would get... Grow up a little bit more? Think more with your head. I see. Okay, yeah. You know the difference between what, between right and wrong. I'm yes. not saying you specifically, but students generally know the difference between right and wrong. Um, and I'm not saying that I've done everything right in my over my years, mm-hmm. um, but I there are times that things happen, I'm just like, really? Really? Is this what you're going to be doing? Mm-hmm. This is what you're making me have to deal with at this point. Um, but so, what makes me happy? Um, <laughs> again, no drama. Yep. Um, if I, I do enjoy my me time. Yes. I am. If I can sit outside like on a cold night that's starry and just be able just to look up Uh and just kind of in that moment, 
that peacefulness is what gets me. The tranquility of them? Yes. So do you like running at night usually? Is that whenever you, yes. for that purpose, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. Then it's cooler too, usually. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but yeah. Um, so, um, I value friendships. Mm-hmm. I think those make me happy. Um, I'm not always great at making them. Yeah. And that goes back to my introvertness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not always great at keeping them. Yeah. That also goes back to me being an introvert. Um, I can be judgmental. I try to fix that. I try to pre- prevent myself or stop myself from being that way. Yeah. But we all do it. Yes, I know I do. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Long term, what do I want? What, what would make me happy? Mm-hmm. If I knew that in some way I, I ultimately, again, minus some of the trials and tribulations that I have to face and maybe not always deal with in the proper way, if people would kind of look back and say, he was a good guy and he ultimately wanted to help people, that would be, that would make me happy. That is one of the best answers I've heard. Well, Dr. Klingstrom, not going to blow smoke again, but I think you're a good person. If anything, I feel like you're hard on yourself sometimes. From I am. That's I, I know I am, yeah. and I've been told that too. I always say that we are all, we are always our own uh, biggest critic. Biggest critic, correct. correct. Yeah. So. I respect that, but again, I think you're a good person. I don't think obviously you should be hard on yourself to expect the best from yourself, but you, trust me. I, like we're not on the same level you're definitely higher up on the hierarchy right now but still you're a good person well it's funny i went back and did a little bit of research and you're uh i pulled out your personal statement Uh (laughs) and uh, and you started off your personal statement by saying the existence of an individual solely focused on self-gratification is an existence of someone who will never be who will never live a fulfilled life Oh boy, yeah. that was very profound. I thank you. Yeah, I, yep. I'm kind of in that same thing, in that same boat with you. So, um, yeah, I thought that said a lot. Well, thank you, Doctor Klinger. I will say that was not plagiarized. <laughs> That's good. Um, I remember one of the things that I wrote in my AP English class my senior year. It was a six-word poem. Like I don't know who the author was that created that was like I can tell you the saddest story in six words like baby shoes for sale never worn but mine was I think show compassion even when others don't yeah and I try to live by that obviously I'm not the best at it again everybody is human but I do believe whenever people say sometimes it's inherently selfish to try to make yourself feel good by making others feel good but I think some things aren't meant to be questioned like that. And as long as you try your best to be happy, that's one thing. But as long as you try your best to make other people's happy while also helping yourself, mm-hmm. that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. And I think you're doing that by the honors program, and hopefully I'm doing that by this podcast and interacting with people. 
hopefully whenever I'm dead and gone, hopefully people think, look back at me, say he tried his best and he tried making other people happy the best he could. And trust me, Dr. Klingshirn, even if next year whenever I take your class and you give me an F or something, I'll still think you're a good person. I'll be slightly agitated, but it'll be okay. Okay. But uh, I think, yeah, that personal statement I used, I talked about political polarization in that, I think. You did. Um, you said that um, you wanted to uh, overcome the division and di- overcome division and political prejudice, is yep. what you had said. I think a lot of people anymore, politics in general, it's obviously divisive. There's obviously more than one side and people disagree on what's right and wrong. And the biggest reason is because it's what's ethical and what's not. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think a lot of people, (laughs) I want to get into this big whole interdisciplinary idea of why people hold things against each other because of their political views. But if people realize that we're all human, and that we all have the best intentions, even whenever it seems like we don't. Right. And the ideas might might sound selfish. Right. But you got to understand that everybody's human. Right. And as long as people are trying their best, why get angry at somebody or shout somebody down? Don't get me wrong. Some opinions, like especially when it comes to sensitive topics, people get upset. And I don't blame them. It's sensitive stuff. Mm-hmm. But people don't talk about things because they want to be malicious. They want to talk about things because they want to understand more. Or even if they don't understand, they want to try to prove that they're right because they want the best thing to happen. I think that's the biggest thing in politics is because people don't appreciate and understand each other anymore. We're all human, whether we like it or not. Yeah, it's true. Well, that was a very philosophical end to this podcast, I think, Dr. Klingshin. You didn't want to say anything else, did you, perchance? Uh... So. All right. Did you notice anything else in my personal statement that drew you? I'm I'm curious now. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have pictured you as a golfer. Really? What would you picture me as? I don't know. I don't know if that was it. Maybe tennis. Tennis? Well, thank you. But, um, yeah, I, I saw that you'd said that you played golf from your freshman to your junior year. Mm-hmm. And then you played soccer. Yep. your senior year, and then you did track your last semester. You applied in April, I think. It was. Yes, I did. So you were a late applicant. It was a very interesting and now process. now I think I understand why, because of your, what you said about WashU and mm-hmm. Carbondale and Urbana. So. Um, yeah, I did. I quit golf because it became like I had a new coach every year, and it got to the point where I didn't like the competition. I was out there by myself, and then we didn't have a team. There was only, like, three other dudes, and we didn't really like you. Like, it's not we disliked each other, but there wasn't enough respect and, like, a team mentality. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't advise anybody giving up, but it's just the competition didn't respect us. Our coach, we got passed around like a blunt, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and the whole soccer thing was I wanted to prove myself that I could – I used to be very, not very overweight, but I was like 5'4", and I weighed 160, 70 pounds. Okay. So I was a thick boy. <laughs> but uh, I lost like a total of 50 pounds at one point. Wow. And I grew. I started like exercising to the point where it was probably unhealthy. I wouldn't advise anybody doing what I did, but I'm happy that I changed myself. And I did that because I had faith that I could. Mm-hmm. But there were some dark times in my like, I don't want to say life and, like, terrible, but I didn't respect myself at all. 
but that's just something that comes with change and having faith that you can change and be happy with who you are. Yeah. But uh, did do that, did do the track thing. And I was, like, my original aspiration was being something like the president, and I don't think I could have that much fun if I was that. So hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. you get to see me again, like a John Stewart type character. Hopefully that could be me. Yeah. Well, I think. Um Your comment before about taking advantage of the resources that are here on campus is mm -hmm. a very good thing to do. Um, I do think that sometimes uh, students don't take advantage of the resources that are here. Uh, and I, I think that ends up hurting them in some ways. Yeah. So if you can, this, is, this would be my advice to any student, mm -hmm. and it's something you alluded to before. Um, don't get so lost in the weeds the weeds of everything mm -hmm. that you lose track of the big picture and what it is that you why you are here okay and that's hopefully to to explore to to learn new things to again be offended again I, I believe that every college student should be offended at least once thank you I agree if, with if that if they're strong. not then something's wrong mm -hmm. and whether that be because of political belief whether that be because of of something else, you know, you we all need to be challenged. Thank you. That is one of the best things I've heard yeah. in a long time. And your comment before about having some times when it was a little bit rougher mm -hmm. for you, um, how you deal with those situations uh, says a lot about you. Um, there's this idea that, uh, or this idea of called grit mm -hmm. stick to itiveness you know if you want something you'll do it you'll make it happen mm -hmm. right I don't care where you're from I don't care if you're from the south side of Chicago I don't care if you're from a small rural farm town population 10 I always say you're not defined by your zip code yeah so if you want something bad enough you'll make it happen and I think that uh, uh, students need to keep that in mind thank you that's i, I like everything you said right there all right um do you have any other closing comments you think dr Klingstrom? how did you hear about uis uh believe it or not <laughs> my counselor like talked to me and she said i think this is the best fit for you interesting yeah um, was it because of the size uh, just because of my personality and my aspirations, she thought. And even my parents, once they saw the school, they thought with my persona of liking to entertain people, but also, like, again, my introverted moments, this would be a good place for me. And at the time, I was ma going to major in political science and minor in philosophy. And since we're so close to the capital mm -hmm. and that it's a smaller school, but it's big enough to where if you – want to make a name for yourself it's possible and see so you get a u of i degree mm -hmm. and so i went to my counselor's office and i don't want to say that she doubted that i was going to get into wash u but once i told her that that was my dream school like she didn't necessarily brush it aside she gave me like a pamphlet for a scholarship to fill out mm -hmm. she, but i more or less did the application by myself because i think she was being a lot more realistic than i was 
needless to say, I was offended in the long run, but that's okay. It's everything worked out the way it was meant to. But uh, I came here in April. I think I had just applied on my way coming up here. And then I talked to Courtney in the honors office about being in the honors program, and I don't think she knew me. So, and that was before I even applied for the honors program, and it was getting it was April. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she brushed me off per se, but I think she was skeptical, which I don't blame her in mm-hmm. hindsight. But I applied, and I think like the next two or three days, I was admitted, and the rest is history. Gotcha. Yeah, I think. I would be lying to you if I said that uh, this was this was every student's first choice of an institution. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not. Yeah. I mean, let's be realistic about things. Um, but I do think we have really great programs here, um, and I think sometimes students maybe come here reluctantly, thinking that they maybe need to be somewhere else. I mean, WashU is a fantastic institution, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with a big fish in a little pond. Really? So um, this UIS being the little pond, you know, somebody who is just stellar and stands out, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think some students think that they need to be uh, uh, kind of at a at an institution that they that they think is at their level. Uh huh. Um, so, yeah, we have some very strong students who are, when they get here, they just, they just make substantial changes in terms of the way things operate. They get involved with SGA, they get involved with, you know, efforts to build things like the student union. Mm -hmm. They just do amazing things and they probably could have gone anywhere, but they came here. Really? Um. And I, the, those students are really fun to watch. Um, <laughs> I'd imagine, yeah. especially from your perspective. Yeah, and we have great students out that are not in CAP. Mm-hmm. We have some, I'll be honest too, we have instances where we make an offer to somebody and they say no, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, some students that just say it's not for them. Some say they just wanna be a regular student because they've been pushed so much during high school. Um, and I respect that decision. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is an interesting place, I think, as, a, as an institution. And it can really, I think, be transformative to students if they allow themselves to be open to, to that transformation. So I appreciate what you do. This, this is, um, I think there's three other students that came in with your cohort that also do a podcast. Yes, dorm room politics. Yes. There's a politics podcast. Yes. I think that's really awesome. And um, this is the kind of stuff that gets me excited about teaching in honors and, and interacting with students like, like you. Well, thank you. So Sweet. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I don't know where this will take me, but hopefully it takes me somewhere where I wanted to go. And hopefully it helps expose people to new ideas or at least new people in general. Absolutely. And I think it's obviously a pleasure for you to be on it. I was a little flustered whenever we came in just to make sure that I didn't say anything stupid or if I screwed anything up. But uh, I say it went pretty well. I don't know if you'd be open to it, but say you come back maybe sometime. Maybe, I don't know if next year or 
I would at least hope you'd be on it at the like before I graduate. Uh, I'll be okay with that. I think that'd be a fairly interesting podcast. Okay. Like before freshman. and after. Exactly. That's <laughs> the exact concept I'm going for. Yeah, I'd be I'd be open to that. Sweet. Okay. So I guess we got to about an hour and a half. Is that reasonable with you? You're in charge. All right. Uh, do you have anything else that's on your mind that you? I don't go out to many people. I'm working on that. Yeah. I, I probably go out to about 200 max right now. Gotcha. But actually, this is people have heard that you're going to be on, so I think I'm probably going to get a few more uh, people listening to this puppy. Okay. Um, stay in school, kids. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Stay <laughs> well. I don't know. Uh, again, college is not right for everybody. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just. Be open to ideas like you had said before and uh, don't get so bogged down in the weeds of everything that you lose track of the big picture. There you I'll, go. I'll end up with that. I like it. All right. This, I think, is the 17th or 18th. Nah, probably more like 16th, I guess. I was going to do a, a podcast a couple times, but this month's been a little hectic. This is the start of the semester. A week after, I don't even know. But... <laughs> It is what it is. I think this was a very good podcast to open back up. I got more guests on the way. I'm going to interview my mentor, Andrew Cunningham. He's a very nice man. I actually applied to be a mentor, and he is probably one of the reasons because of that. I don't know if I'll get it, but knock on wood, we'll see. It's not like you have any effect on that or anything. Well, I know who is... I know who will be invited. Okay. At least to apply. There you go. Well, there we go. There's that. Um, I'm going to have Minnow, my friend, hopefully. He's from Belgium. I've had to get him on the podcast a couple of times, but alas, it's been hectic. He hurt his foot. But I do want him to be on the podcast. I think he's healthy again. Uh, there's a couple other people that I've talked to that want to be on the podcast. Again, people that this goes out to, they're probably not even listening. But listen to the podcast and have understanding before you say you want to be on it. <laughs> Like, I don't want to just sit and talk about you playing a video game for like an hour and a half. That's not the cup of tea that we're going for here. And I try to keep this fairly open for everybody to listen, so I avoid certain things like politics. Like, I'll talk about them, but again, I don't want to say something divisive that'll lose viewers or make them get closed-minded about a thing. So again, there's that. But again, we have a Facebook page now. I invited all my friends on Facebook to like that puppy. So if you're one of them, thank you. Got the Instagram, Snapchat. That's all going to be going up. And I plan on having this thing uploaded probably around 4 o'clock. So I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Hope to see you next time. Dr. Klingshirn, thank you. My pleasure. And this was The Pursuit of Happiness. And please, go out there and pursue your happiness. See you next time.